0: Support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of South Carolina, where healthcare is changing for the better. Find out how at ahealthysc.tv. And by Sunoco a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries.
1: So what's the old saying about who controls the purse strings controls a nation, an industry, or a household? Well, the smart money in business and in life bet on the person that manages the finances. Happy summer and welcome to the most widely watched and the longest running source of Carolina business in public policy discussion. I am Chris William, and it is often understood that if you want the factual, unvarnished situation of an organization, talk to the CFO. Well, this time on CBR, that is exactly what we do. Ann Lloyd from Martin Marietta, and Steve Young from Duke Energy, join us. Major
0: funding also by Novant Health, bringing you world-class technology, clinicians, and care. When and where you need it. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. And by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, who's responsible for rising health care costs? Join us and many others in a candid discussion at letstalkcost.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Anne Lloyd, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Martin Marietta, and Steve Young, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Duke Energy.
1: That's the issue. Hello, welcome to our program. And as you can tell, we always have these great dialogues right before the cameras come on and the lights come up. So we're going to keep it going. Uh, and Steve, welcome. Good to have you both here. Thank Glad you. To be here. But, you know, let's talk about this idea that uh, here we are in the sixth year of an economic expansion, and many people still refer to it as a recovery. In other words, it's it's almost a tentative, you know, we're going to wait and see what happens. Um, hard to argue that we've had Really six years of decent growth now. And when you look at not just Martin Maria's balance sheet, but talk talk to some of your uh, customers and clients and you look over kind of the region. Do you
2: I mean do you feel that, that this is a tentative recovery? I don't think it's tentative today. I do think it has been slow to come. I mean if you look at our business as a whole, we're only about thirty percent off the bottom so we lost about 80 million tons of demand and we're only up about 25 so it's it's just taken a long time and it's been slow Um, particularly west to east if you go west of the Mississippi River those markets have recovered faster but as we've come into the southeastern markets they've been a little bit slower really late last year or late 14 into 15 and now really starting to see stronger growth.
1: So if you're 30% off of what the low was after 08, 09 or right in that area, does that mean that you still got 70% to go? That's
2: exactly what it means. Really? But we don't, we're not sure we'll get back to that 70%. In this cycle? In this cycle, correct. Steve, what do you think?
3: We have seen uh, similar patterns that Ann discussed. It's not quite as extreme. Uh, In 08 and 09, we lost uh, a lot of our industri- uh, industrial load in our service territories, which are in the Midwest and Carolinas and Florida. We've recovered about 90% of that over this long period of time, uh, and it uh, is, is seeing global challenges now with the strength of the U.S. dollar. Uh, but it does feel very slow and in, 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 perhaps it's, it's a product of how far we fell in, in '8 yeah. and '9 as well
1: does, does brexit you know a few weeks ago no I have brexit and everyone thought that the, the, the sky was falling and turns out it was maybe one of the best stimulus for at least the equity markets in, in domestically does brexit at all play into how you model out now or pro forma any of your business
2: you know for us not so much um, I think Brexit to me was for Martin Marietta a definition of what uncertainty in the markets does because the activity in the equity markets that day, obviously the bet was that that your, the UK would remain in the in the, Euro, in the EU, yeah. and when they came out, the markets crashed. We didn't. We actually held tight. But for us, it's more the uh, who we compete with. We're typically a domestic company. Most of our competitors, though, are global ma- materials companies. So the impact on, on them and the European markets and what hap- they have to do to invest their capital and allocate it there, really that's the effect it has on us in mm-hmm. the U.S., not so much directly. Yeah,
3: Steve? Same thing here, those types of uncertainties will typically drive investors to investments like Duke Energy. Uh, so Seen we as a safe haven. A safe haven, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but when you think about our customers, uh, and, and what they felt, uh, the industrial customers, particularly in our service territories, um, th- th- not a significant uh, uh, problem at this point in time, is what we've heard.
1: Yeah. So, kind of t- just kind of sew up this first little part of the dialogue we're having. When you when you look out, the next. I don't know, and 12, 18 months, five years. Do you expect that we are going to see another slowdown before you get that opportunity to ramp back up to where you were in the high water mark?
2: As we look over the, the next cycle, our view is for our business, the next cycle really perhaps peaks in 2019 or 2020. So we do see continued slow, growth in the construction sector across the U.S., at at least in those markets where there's high population growth Mm -hmm. or high population density. Um, And a lot of that, Chris, has been driven by, for the first time in a decade, the federal government approved a multi-year highway bill last December, mm-hmm. for the first time in 10 years. And then you've got the states, North Carolina, Georgia, Virginia, Texas, who are investing their own money into transportation to um, to serve as economic uh, development platform. And those, as those states continue to invest, that money really is only newly coming into the system. So just from the public spending, we think that we'll see another three, four years of nice activity before we, we peak out. We won't reach where we were in the prior peak. That's not our expectation. Do you
1: think 36, 42 months? you think that's, uh, is, that, is that the way you look at the world?
3: You know, in, in terms of, uh, of the forecasting that we do of, of our customer base, we, we see a couple of dynamics. The construction materials businesses in the Carolinas have been doing pretty well. We see that continuing. Automotive, which is in the Carolinas and our Midwest jurisdictions, uh, has been strong with the low gasoline prices. Uh, Some of our primary metals groups, however, have been affected by the Mm -hmm. the global economy, the strength of the U.S. dollar. Uh, So they have softened a bit there. Uh, so, uh, again, we look at it industry by industry. Uh, overall, we're, we're continuing to see growth. It'll move around between industries, uh, but over the next uh, three to five years, we still see some growth in our, in our areas.
1: Well, let's spend a couple of minutes tweezing out this analysis, and that you kind of put a stake in the ground around transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that there could be a more uh, acute debate going on around uh, transportation departments of transportation in north and south carolina what they're doing with their funds what you know what mm-hmm. communities need it uh steve i think duke energy's been referred to as an economic development company more than anything else almost than a Very community critical. planning company mm-hmm. but when it, it but your product obviously goes right to transportation mm-hmm. even more than that when you look at some of the debate that goes on in the triangle around the triangle transit plan in charlotte in in places like charleston um, you said something I thought that was pretty neat right before the show. You said these are high class problems to have, but nonetheless we've got to, we've got to get through this. How do you think, are we approaching the debate around transportation the right way?
2: You know, I don't believe so because I think we're looking at it as a cost versus an investment. And if you look at those states in the United States who are investing in their public transportation, whether that be roads, streets, bridges, light rail, Mm -hmm. electrical utility, water infrastructure, broadband infrastructure, those states are viewing their transportation dollar as an investment. They're doing that to invest for the people that are there and the people that are coming. I mean our product is basically population driven. It's a per capita consumption model Um, and if you uh, if you would focus on transportation dollars as an investment for the future growth of, 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 an, of an area, I think you'll have a more productive debate, as opposed to it's a tax or a cost.
1: So it ends up being a political hot potato in places like Charlotte on, on the I-77 right. corridor. So, Steve, how, how does what is Duke's responsibility? What is your responsibility when it comes to shepherding or convening a debate that's not so hot? that's more intellectual and more practical.
3: Oh, I, I, I think it's uh, Duke's responsibility to participate
1: in these things. But, uh, but folks will say, Steve, yeah, but that's, you know, Martin Marietta and yeah, Duke, but, they're but, big companies. They don't I agree really... with you,
2: Chris, but let's look what the business community did in North Carolina. The business community got together and took on an issue that was not popular, which is raising transportation dollars for the state of North Carolina. And it polled awfully. I mean, ask anybody, do you want to pay more for the roads that you ride on? Absolutely not. And that's the answer. But the business community got together and, and raised enough money to go out to campaign with the, with the general public, with the general assembly about how important investment is. And we got another billion too. And that to me is the business community's job. Now, yes, Martin, Red and Duke are gonna benefit from that investment. I agree, but the whole state of North Carolina is gonna benefit from that investment.
1: Yes, yeah, Steve, I cut you off. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh,
3: No, no, I, I, uh, Anne is absolutely correct. This is an investment in the future for, for the, the state uh, we have to upgrade the infrastructure in the mm-hmm. state, whether it's ports, airports, uh, water ports, highways, uh, public transportation. Mm-hmm. That e- enables and facilitates growth, better jobs, better education, just a better lifestyle. And uh, it is it is not a tax or a cost. It's got to be uh, it's got to be kept up and improved.
1: Do you do you think that is would? And, you know, was just going to say, well, you're going on record to some degree here. Would business be willing to help, maybe not necessarily stroke a check for it, but somehow if business could get together around transportation with one unified voice, it was a very hotly debated issue in the South Carolina General Assembly. It continues to run in the background in North Carolina. But as you said, Ann, if business can congregate and convene
2: around this issue, I mean, can that happen? It can, I think it did in North Carolina. And if you look at the stats in South Carolina, I think 80% of the funding in South Carolina for transportation comes from the federal government. Contrast that with North Carolina where it's I think 48%. So it's almost half and half. Go out to Texas, Colorado, that's half and half. Mm -hmm. Those are states that have invested and we're, we're, we're starting to catch up with those to match that federal dollar. I think dependence on that federal dollar could get really dangerous.
3: Steve, oh, yeah. I, I agree and I think businesses can come together, uh, coalesce uh, ideas and stakeholders and, and it's a great forum to, to come up with efficient ideas mm-hmm. that can help uh, manage the, the varying views of the, of the different constituencies the, very effectively. We've done it in the past yeah. in various economic development yeah. projects uh, throughout uh, the Carolinas. Uh, and it's a great it's a great way to bring people together uh, on, on common ideas. So it it's a very useful tool.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and Stephen, I have a lot of employees who live in this state,
1: absolutely, and want to have
2: a high quality of life. Mm-hmm. And and to me, that's part of that investment profile.
1: You know, you talk about investment capital investment. Your, your, your job, to some degree, is figuring out how to best to deploy your your allocate mm-hmm. your capital, uh, capital investment going forward. Where do you think the best return on the invest uh, the money that you want to uh, allocate. Wh- where is that for you?
3: You know, for, uh, for Duke at a utility, we're invest, invest, uh, investing in infrastructure uh, all the time. Uh, we spend about $7 billion a year in capital investments across our utilities. Um, we're building power plants to provide energy. Uh, but the area of investment that I'm excited about is another form of infrastructure, the, the electric energy grid. Uh, storm-hardened equipment, meters that can communicate with customers. Uh, the grid investment is is a really exciting area in our business.
1: Do you ever worry about the privacy issues around those meters that can speak back and, you know, folks say, well, wait a minute. I don't even know if I want to share my birth date with anyone, let alone all this information.
3: <laughs> we have dealt with that, uh, and, and certainly there are some customers uh, that, that would rather not have that uh, form of communication. I, I think by far most of our customers see the value uh, that, that can be provided. Knowing when an outage uh, is occurring, Uh, and and faster response time in those circumstances, ability to communicate when an outage will be repaired, ability to have different billing options that come with these types of investments, I think uh, far outweigh the privacy issues and I think we can find solutions to to satisfy people on that front as
1: well. How about CapEx for you?
2: Our capital is very similar in the fact that we are really reinvesting in our existing plant. for us, you know, the average quarry size is about a million tons. You don't see a lot of new quarries opening up, just like you don't see a lot of new power plants opening right. up, right? And so for us, it's recapitalizing a lot of the iron, particularly in the states of North and South Carolina. A lot of our plants are wonderfully vintage aged, kind of that late '50s, early '60s. <laughs> That's a nice very way to vintage say it. <laughs> age for this yeah. table, right? So, so we're going in Indeed. and recapitalizing. So for us, it's really about cost efficiency because you sell a ton of rock on average for $12. So you have to produce it, and your cost has to be really effective to and efficient. So we'll reinvest mm-hmm. into the plants to improve automation. I mean, think about taking a 1960s vintage plant and putting a new one in today. The automation's much different today than it was, mm-hmm. was then. So we're, we're looking at cost reduction is the way we live.
1: You know, you both live in markets that are very hot in growth. Um, as a matter of fact, if you took a survey and this a very informal, anecdotal survey across the Carolinas and just counted the number of cranes in the air that are that are raising buildings and and other structures, do you ever worry that we get out over the tips of our skis on this commercial development that's going on?
3: Oh, certainly, certainly we do. You see it in Charlotte uh with the apartment building booms that are going on and you wonder is this going to be too much capacity or are we are we get, getting too quickly too fast as as was done in the 06 time frame um, I, and I think that uh, that's something to, to be concerned with. I think the urban areas are seeing a lot of good growth, the rural areas though are, are lagging behind a bit mm-hmm. uh, but certainly the urban areas in the Carolinas and we serve some jurisdictions in, in Florida in the Saint mm-hmm. Pete area uh, we're starting to see some some very good growth there. Um, I, I think uh, hopefully, it will be tempered a bit and managed a bit uh, based on the knowledge we got uh, in the last go round, the problems we had in 08 and 09.
1: Is there a way for you to financially buy a put on that kind of growth to, to protect your downside? not to get too technical here, but I mean how do you manage that liability Steve?
3: Well you, ha- you have to uh, do a lot of scenario and long-range planning and our business particularly the utility business does a lot of that. What if the growth moves differently? What if commodity prices change? What is going to be our response here? And uh, so we do the long-term planning that leaves us with uh, adjustment uh, procedures in place where we can ramp back things or change other activities uh, so that helps us deal with these ups and downs in the economy.
2: And we're a cyclical business right and so and you know that about the one system. thing that we know that we can't control is the volume right that is the lever that is controlled by the marketplace so what we do we do long-range planning ourselves with look at five-year cycles, but you're really looking at 20-year plans for a a mine that's going to last 100 years. Um, So for us, it's really spending a lot of time understanding that you control your controllables. Right, I think if there's one thing business is like, is certainty. Now that's
1: risk management. A sure. little
2: problem. <laughs> it's it's <Yeah. laughs> a lot of uncertainty out there. I think over the next few months, uh, but but for us, that's the way we're looking at it. You know, we all
1: probably read the same things, look for the same, uh, I- if you will, canary in the coal mine about the economy and about business and, and so on and so forth. And the, and the Fed has come under a lot of pressure about managing this. Expansion. What we do in the next cycle. What's the Fed going to do about interest rates? Uh, The other side of that coin is fiscal policy, and that is what Congress should be doing in many cases, and is not doing in many cases. And do you think there is a tipping point where Congress will have to act to know that monetary policy is not the only tool and can't just do what we need done?
2: There should be, but I take go back to my comment on the federal highway bill. It took ten years for the Congress to act on something that's in the best interest of yeah. the entire United States, and, and to look at you know what predecessors before us in the Eisenhower administration did to build the interstate highway system. It took them ten years yeah. to do something like that. I, I I think it's something they should do. I, I don't see the political will for it to happen.
1: Is it just the lack of political decorum that's keeping us from doing some of these things? Is it, is it the separation between the parties? I,
3: I certainly think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. The the partisanship and the dysfunction uh, between the parties makes it difficult uh, to have compromise and coalition around uh, uh, an admission that, hey, there's a good idea mm-hmm. from the other side. Let's move forward. I, I think the, the atmosphere, uh, is not conducive to having these types of changes made.
2: But that's the thing, Stephen. I do every day, right? It's all about building the coalitions within your own organization, mm-hmm. building the coalitions with the bank, banking community, with the Wall Street community to understand what's going on in your mm-hmm. business. How am I gonna talk about it? How are we gonna get this accomplished? there are very few black and white problems that, that I deal with every day, I doubt right. you either. And so mm-hmm. it's in some ways it's disheartening mm-hmm. to see that the groups can't sit down, have a reasonable debate and come up with solution. And that's where again, I think the business community and we as voters can potentially affect that.
1: Well, then you're gonna love this next one, Uh-oh. healthcare. <laughs> how in the world do you, how do you look out and to use your term, Anne, how do you risk control or, or, or model out the cost of healthcare within the organization, and especially since the rate of growth has been more than most expect, and some insurers are even closing down lines of mm-hmm. business because it's not what they thought it was mm-hmm.
2: going to be. Well, I mean, a lot of us, and I'm sure Steve, same way, self insure a, a, a good portion of what we mm-hmm. do. But our, we, we saw healthcare as a real issue 10, 15 years ago, and that if we didn't begin to turn our employees into consumers of healthcare, mm-hmm as opposed to a true consumer, as opposed to just a user, that we were gonna have long-term trends and challenges that we weren't gonna be able to keep up with. So if I look back at the rate of growth in our healthcare costs over the past 10 years, it's 4%. I can manage 4%, but that's been done through a series of, you know, trying to drive behavior through incentive or disincentive, as the case mm-hmm. may be, a different cost sharing model. So for us, it was, we've been thinking about it for a long time and, and, and have been able to control that as we move forward today.
1: Are you gonna be able to keep single digit growth like 4% in the I next sure, couple of years? I
2: sure hope so, but you know, it gets harder and harder mm-hmm. to, to to ch- make changes to your health program.
3: Right, it's very difficult, and, and uh, the health uh, of our 28,000 employees at Duke is, is very important to us. They're, they're the engine that drives the company, uh, but when you look at prescription drugs and health care costs with uh, the annual increases that they've seen over mm-hmm. 15, 20 years, we've had to institute uh, a lot of programs and a lot of educational mm-hmm. programs to get the employee invested in this as well. So we have wellness programs where if you uh, can uh, 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 visit doctors and undertake certain practices that can lower the premiums. Mm -hmm. We try to uh, tailor programs and subsidies to programs more efficiently. But we've got to get uh, the employees invested in here and and that's been step one, it's worked Mm -hmm. for us uh... but the trends continue to to move in that direction of these increases
1: so so do you you know you've got payers and you've got providers and they both point fingers at one another and say well if the payer did this then we'd be able as a provider as a hospital we can do this and it's vice versa as a business what would you say to both of those to say look just get along or (laughs) just do this or just do that i mean what what is that is there a magic formula here that we're missing because there are egos involved to some degree? And oh, by the way, you got a minute to answer this question.
2: <laughs> there is no magic answer. Uh, no. I can, I can, we can both agree on that. No, <laughs> we, we have
3: battled back with payers and providers and, and negotiated up to the last minute in circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, th- there's no magic bullet here. But again, you have to, to work to find common ground uh, to mm-hmm. compromise the, the types of things and discussed. Uh, we've generally uh, ultimately had success, but it requires a lot of resource mm-hmm. and attention.
1: Will Congress have to edit what these programs ultimately look like? Will they have to go back and retool Obamacare? Do you think they should do it?
3: Well, I think they. I th- Think they should? I think there are there are benefits that can be looked at probably under any program of this exactly. magnitude. As you move down the road, you learn things, and I, I don't think we should be afraid uh, to try to pursue beneficial changes in a program Absolutely. of this nature. And I think uh, President Obama has recently even alluded to some potential changes that may be
1: beneficial. Yeah. Okay. Well, folks, uh, both of you, thank you so much, Steve. And um, and you, you, got, you got off light here. We didn't even talk about HB2, but we're going to give you a fair warning next time. We're probably going to bring up something like that. Thank you for being a guest on our program. Good to see you both. Good and thanks for you. your leadership. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Until next week, I'm Chris William. Hope your weekend is good. Good night.
0: Major funding for Carolina Business Review was provided by the Duke Endowment a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, who's responsible for rising healthcare costs? Join us and many others in a candid discussion at letstalkcost.com. Grant Thornton, operating in more than 100 countries, Our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Novant Health, bringing you world-class technology, clinicians, and care when and where you need it. Sunoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of South Carolina, where healthcare is changing. For the better, find out how at ahealthysc.tv. And by viewers like you, thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.